the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy, and uh, we are here with Bev uh, from California. Hi everyone. Hi. I just, that noise that you got was a text. And it is a text of Faith, who's been my guest on the last three shows, and Dan uh, in bed smiling in a hospital. And it is currently 9 p.m. California time on September 6th. And he is at the hospital awaiting a liver transplant. Hopefully it happens after this show comes out at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. So um, please be praying uh, for Pastor Dan. And uh, normally... Tuesday is uh, Tune In Tuesday, and Dan hops in the tub uh, and listens to the show at night, and he's not going to be able to this week, and I'm just super glad that he'll be uh, recovering from liver surgery. So anyhow, that was a, a great interruption mm-hmm. for the show. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, I'm just really, I don't know, just super tickled about the the way that things are happening and the fact that this is... Uh, looking good for him so anyhow on with the show i decided to change my word of the week this week right now because i looked at it and i was like that's a that's a horrible word of the week to have um for this week um and you'll find out next week why it was so you can cross-reference the shows if you want i will tell you this uh while i'm doing these things uh if you want to go onto the uh internet and follow us on any of our social media you can if you want to become a patron for the show, you can go to our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. You can financially support the show. And I know maybe that sounds like, oh, $1 a month, it won't matter. It really matters. But if you want to make it so it feels like it matters more, do a $25. It's like, it's like a cup of coffee a day on weekdays um, or, or a, a large soda at McDonald's costs a buck. Um, so do whatever you feel like makes the statement that you want to make and it really does help our ministry do things uh we're hoping to get back in the prison soon with messed up ministries so go to messituppodcast.com click on become a patron and you can become a financial supporter of the show uh you can also check out my book which is called still in beta that's available on apple books you can get it on your kindle through amazon or you can get a paperback version through Amazon as well. Uh, and if you would like to get a, an autographed uh, copy of that, just uh, send me an email at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com or send me a text at 760-608-1942 and uh, I can get you the information on how to get an autographed copy of that as well. So on with the show, our word of the week this week is bivouac. And a bivouac is a temporary camp that doesn't have tents or cover. It's like, you know, just bedding down in your your, uh, sleeping bag. A lot of times you think of a bivouac in terms of military or uh, people up in the mountains that are hiking uh, because you're just there without any kind of shelter, uh, temporary uh, kind of a way. So anyhow, go out and do a bivouac as uh, summer ends here and we head into the fall uh, because it might be getting a little bit late unless you live down under for you to bivouac in the winter uh, i would think seems cold to me what do you think bev i think i agree with you yeah so um enough blathering 
Uh, on with the show, I guess, right? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Super. That hurt a little bit. Um, so I went through with uh, Bev before the show, and I said, "Hey, I've got a bunch of ideas, and uh, which ones stand out to you?" And this is the one that we came up with that we kind of liked uh, for talking about, and it does happen to be the one that I was planning on talking about anyway today. And I had this idea that God doesn't want us to take a perfect step; He just wants us to take the next step. That, that my next step doesn't have to be perfect. Sometimes I get so hung up in trying to take a perfect step as I move forward into life or, or to move beyond the mess that I've made and try to find the beginnings of a message. I'm, I get so hung up that I think it's got to be a perfect step. Have you ever had thoughts like that, Bev? I have, and I, I often live under that um, untruth, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, lie yeah right mm-hmm. lie yeah I think I have uh, are you looking for an example or I just... no I'm trying not to talk a lot okay. uh, over my guests I've been yeah. I've been told by many people that I talk over my guests so I'm just waiting until you look like you're ready to not be done, uh, talking and then I'll jump back in but yeah an example would be would be greater how this you know this idea has affected you in the past this idea of trying to take a perfect step Um when I identify myself on Friday nights celebrate recovery, uh, which is a huge part of Paul's and my life, we have a way of introducing ourselves. We say, hi, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, which defines who we are. And then we say what our struggle is. And my struggle is always um, and has been for a long time, perfectionism, codependency, and anxiety, those three things. Mm. So my my quest for perfectionism is a really, really difficult one for me to break. And um, I was just thinking about this actually, I think a couple days ago I was reading the scripture that talks about how even in our sin, Jesus died for us. That uh, before we were even friends with God himself, he was willing to send his son to die in our place. And in order for God to require us to clean up our act before we can have a relationship with him would make that scripture null and void. Um, it can't, so it can't be true. It can't be true that he requires us to do something. And, and so I, I just know biblically that that thinking is not sound, <clears throat> excuse me, but at the same time, it's sometimes hard to believe that. Yeah, yeah. and and I'm looking at um, a thing from, uh, this is an article from Medical News Today back in 2018, talking about the effects of perfectionism on our mental health and um, it, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to read the entire Thing, but the, one of the headers here is living with a harsh inner voice and then mm. how to counter the harms of perfectionism. And it's, you know, it, it seems like one of those things at the, you know, first blush that like, okay, trying to be perfect, that's good. You want to just be better. What's mm-hmm. wrong with trying to be better? And I think in and of itself, there's not a whole lot wrong with wanting something to be better or be as good as it can. But if we can't learn, if I can't learn to accept my limits or the fact that I will make mistakes and if I can't 
especially if I can't celebrate those mistakes as they come and, and find those as opportunities or avenues toward new success, then I am going to crush myself with hopelessness eventually because I just, you know, per- perfectionism, perfect is something that can't really exist. You know, I don't think perfect can exist because it's just too, um, it's just too out there. You know, there's, there's always something that could be wrong. And so if something can be wrong, then that means perfect can't happen. Well, how many times have you gone to the grocery store and seen this on a label, new and improved? You know, I mean, how many times can you read new and improved over, you know, pancake syrup or laundry detergent or toothbrush and, you know, I'm sorry, I mean toothpaste and just that whole concept. And I I was thinking to myself too, Paul, as you were talking that, um, that whole idea of being perfect, not only does it hurt us and hurt our emotional self and our, our state of mind, but it stands in the way of relationships because um, then I know that that's made me look at other people and see them as less. Um, when yeah. you say that, define that, are you talking about perfectionism in that quest for perfectionism? So is, but that, is that your expectation of them to be more perfect or because you want to be perfect, you now see them and say, well, I'm this and you're oh, less than. Which way a, were you talking? That's a really hard, ooh. Go ahead and say it. That was a good question. Yeah, that is. I love to hear that. No, I'm not going to give you that. (laughs) Um, If you did, it would be perfect, though. Okay. All right. That was a great question, Paul. (laughs) Thank you for thinking of that. Um, Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. So I didn't get to answer your question, but I don't really know that I have an answer. I do know that we just talked about that yesterday in church. The pastor was talking about um, how, how we can become fruit inspectors and um but not judges of other people's lives and i think if if you if my quest is to be perfect then that puts me in this little bubble that doesn't really let me bump elbows with anybody else because it's all about me in that Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm. um and so i don't connect i don't um it's just a very selfish world. It can be very self-centered. So, and that, that can affect my relationship with other people. And I think it's both of those that you ask. Right. Both my attitude toward them and both my expectation that um, they be perfect. And therefore, I'm wondering, how come they can't do that? How come they can't just jump out of whatever it is that they're doing and be more perfect? Um, so, I mean, and it's for me, it's a very chicken and egg thing because yes. I think one thing feeds the next, and that one feeds, the, and it just it yes. definitely spirals. I'm thinking as I think of this perfect next step. Um, there's a place in Hawaii called Coconut Island in the city of Hilo, down by the bay, uh, not where the watermelons grow, but the coconuts I believe grow there. And um, you can climb up on this rock structure and jump off into the water, and there are two levels one of them is about eight feet high and one is probably you know 12 or so feet high and uh i remember jumping off when we took our grandsons there the first time so this would be when luke was a small child so it was probably almost seven years ago six years ago that we did this and i had video 
It's like, okay, I want you to get video of me jumping off of this, you know, high tower and you know platform. And so I have visions of myself all Greg Louganesy and stuff like that, and you know, <laughs> jumping all fancy or you know, uh, like maybe you know Indiana Jones or something, jumping off a, a cliff into the water. And when I looked at the video, what I saw was instead of me jumping up or out and you know just going for it like a, a wild beast. I jumped and it was literally like I was trying to jump down and not get any higher than I actually was. It was almost a step off into the the deep and I was like, wow, that was bad. And I tried to do it again and I, I couldn't get myself to make a good looking jump or take a good looking step or that perfect step. But the thing is, when I came home, what I told people is, yeah, I jumped off a platform that was about 14, 15 feet into the water. And that was the thing that was the story not that step nobody right. said well paul that sounds awesome but can you tell me about your step when you jumped off you know when i talk to people we go and jump off at south point and it's a 30 foot jump and nobody says yeah well tell me what kind of a step did you take uh, it's just you did it okay cool you did that um and and there's so many different things like that that i can think of which is the 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 story is the activity that happens after the step. The step is simply an on-ramp to that activity to make that activity happen, maybe a catalyst or something so that that cool story, that cool activity can take place. Nobody cares about the catalyst. They care about the reaction. Yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking about that, that I do have a tendency to forget that God is the one that crafted me, that made me, and so, he doesn't have to guess about what kind of step I'm going to take or what fears are running through my mind. He already knows. He mm -hmm. already knows what those are. And he is our greatest cheerleader because he knows what the prize is. He knows what the he knows what's in front of us and we don't know. Yeah. I mean Maybe I shouldn't say always the prize because sometimes what's at the end of that journey is not a prize. It's something very hard. But I guess really what I'm saying is I never thought about this when we were talking about the topic tonight. But truly, this is a topic about trust. It's really about trusting him and, and knowing that if he's calling us to do that, that we can trust him to help us step out. And I didn't even think that that was going to be something we were going to be discussing yeah tonight. yeah well and and as you talk about that idea of trust it leads me to the song of the week that you brought this week which is matthew west it's called what if and and trust is a great big what if question so let's uh see well what if we go to the song of the week right now sounds like a great so idea. here's matthew west about 90 seconds worth of the song called what if we'll be back on the other side to talk about that talk more about steps perfect steps and uh maybe even get into uh Peter's stepping out of a boat. So uh, here's Matthew West with What If. I refuse to be a shoulda, woulda, coulda been I can't go back in time 
They go Matthew Weff. Matthew West with a toe tapper. And normally I let my guests talk first, but I'm going to jump in first here and say props to Matthew West for throwing in a uh, Back to the Future DeLorean yeah, time machine yeah. reference. I, like uh, I love that. So, Bev, uh, you you suggested this song. Uh, what was it about this song that made you want to do it or what stood out to you as we listened uh, talk to me a little bit about this song. It was uh, super catchy. The first time I heard it on, you know, Caleb, it really caught my attention, and it, I like the beat of it. But and you can dance to it. Uh, you can dance. Yeah. Well, maybe you can't. I can't because I don't know how. I to didn't dance. say I could dance well. <laughs> you are an excellent dancer. I've seen you on Friday nights. Oh, baby, yeah. come when on now. When you're giving out chips. Holy mattress. Yeah. No, um, I think that I have spent a good amount of my time in my life uh, looking at the could have, should have, would have kind of idea and what if, what if, what if, what if. And I know you don't have to be into the Celebrate Recovery Step Study Guides too far before you come up on this question. You know, what are the things in your life that have caused you to have the what ifs? The if onlys, yeah. Yeah, the if onlys, yeah. Um, you spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. A lot of time there. Yeah, I and can. for me, um, I love the little um, uh, kind of pre-chorus hook that says, I'm going to dream a little bigger, burn a little brighter, stand a little taller, closer to your fire. And I am always, I'm a sucker for a song about dreams, mm-hmm. you know, and because I'm a dreamer. I I have those dreams and I never really know why it occurred to me when I got the text about Pastor Dan's liver that, you know, when I didn't get the job I had applied for with um, prison fellowship ministries, <clears throat> I thought, okay, well, God's got a better yes. It's like, all right, I'm going to need to go up there and help take care of Dan. And I couldn't do that with a full-time job. I wouldn't be able to, I'd right. have to make a choice between the job and, and, and Dan's family. And I don't have to make that choice now. And yeah. thank you, Jesus, for a better yes in the future. Um, so I can give a, a good yes to my friend now. Yes. Uh, but I, I love that idea of just dreaming bigger because if I don't dream bigger, that means I'm, I'm willing to accept everything as it is. And I, I, I need to be willing to to take life as it comes, but I want to be able to dream of a better tomorrow. And, and that's where my hope you know, comes is in that promise that, that God's going to have something better for me tomorrow. Yes, I feel like I've had many opportunities with um, with friends, uh, especially the ladies that are in my group with CR or just my contacts, um, friends or whatever. Uh, also family members where I've been able to use this line, not, not verbatim, but he says, but last I checked, this heart inside my chest is still beating. Well, I guess it's not too late. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember saying to our son at one point when he was just super discouraged, I said, you know, Brad, take your hand and just put it over your heart right now. What do you feel? And he said, I, I feel my heart beating. And I said, well, then that right there proves it. God's not done with you yet. And um, I think that sometimes I forget that. Um, yesterday we were with friends and for those of you i'm gonna shock you but i'm gonna actually tell you that my birthday is coming up and i'm fixing to turn 70 yes 70 and that really 
freaks me out. I, it, I've never felt that way by, about a birthday in my life. When I turned 60, it was no big deal. 50s, 40s, right on down, no big deal. But 70, because I start looking at how close that is to my dad's age at 93, and I think, wow, you know what? Maybe I don't have a whole lot of time left. And we were at our friend's house, and they they asked Paul and I, you know, what are your plans? What, what are you guys going to be doing in the future? And it just hit me right between the eyes. I don't know. I don't know what my plans are. And I don't know what your plans really are, Paul, because I don't know what plans God has for us. I'm ready for them, whatever they're going to be, because I know whatever they're going to be is going to be good. But for just that moment, I just felt like the bottom of the floor fell out from underneath me. And I just was kind of grasping at what I could hold on to that was going to keep me up. Um, a little scary. Yeah. Felt a little scared. Yeah. So I don't know what that has to do with this, but hey, just, you yeah. know, that's that's what the Mess It Up podcast yeah, is. Well, is yeah. I don't know what that has to do with it, but we're talking about it, and that's just okay by me. Well, it messed me up and for that, sure. Well, good. That's yeah. what we're looking for. <laughs> so, um, you know, when we're talking about next steps that we have, it's a common phrase with churches. I know when I was working on a uh, church website several years ago, that was one of the things that they wanted us to put in was next steps, and and oh, yes. we would ask visitors to church okay what's your next step you've done this you've done this what's your next step and it's part of the big you know verbiage with churches and the church you know in in quotes uh nowadays to know what your next step is because we don't want people to be idle we don't want people to to sit still or or to you know start moving away so we like to keep people engaged and when i think about steps in the bible i I, my mind is drawn to peter you know taking that step out onto the water. Now, I know the Sea of Galilee is more of a glorified lake than a sea. It's not like the Mediterranean. It's, you're not surfing the Sea of Galilee. It's not, you know, huge waves and stuff. Well, there's Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Uh, so it's not huge waves that are coming on the Sea of Galilee. But it's still a big lake and it can get rough. And those little boats that they had can get tossed and thrown about and whatnot. And I've I've gone from one boat to another boat, like a, a canoe from one canoe to another on, on just a very calm lake. And it moves. When you move in that boat, it, it tilts and whatnot. And it can be a little bit uh, cattywampus for sure. So here's Peter waking up in a storm. And there's Jesus. And he is you know, out there. And, and it says, I'm, I'm reading here. This is NIV. This is from Matthew 14, uh, um, 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And uh, Jesus said, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter's like, well, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter did. Now, here's the funny thing about this. Peter is kind of a kook. Peter didn't ask the right question. If you're trying to, if you're trying to probe this ghost, don't say, hey, tell me to do this. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, if, if you're not a ghost, tell me to jump off of the building. It, you're, you, ah, why would you? 
say, make me come out there, you know, help me come out there, come over and take me out there. But don't say, just tell me to come out because boom, you might be taking a wet step. And he got out and he, he, he went out there on the boat and I, and, and got onto the boat. And I just think to myself, what did that look like? You know, what did that look like getting from boat, which is relatively safe to water, which it's not going to kill him. But it says here that they're terrified. So he's afraid. And if I'm afraid, I want to be somewhere safe. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be somewhere that feels unsafe, which is why as kids, or maybe even as adults, we pull the covers over us to add that layer of protection from whatever might get us. And so Peter is saying, I'm terrified. I'm going to get in the water where I've got nothing around me but water. Now, instead of just sitting here, I've got to think about either walking if that works or swimming if it doesn't work and getting back into this boat and avoiding this terrifying ghost. I just wonder about that first step that he took. And, And when he took it, you know, he started thinking about the wind and he got afraid again and he began to sink. And then he cried out to the Lord. This time he didn't say, Lord, tell me to come out and walk with you. He said, save me. Save me. And I wonder the effects of his steps. Because the first step wasn't perfect. And he made stumbles. And, and, and the Lord did save him. Nothing was irredeemable from what he did. And there were mistakes along the way. But as, as many pastors have been sure to point out, you know, he did it. He got out of the boat. Twelve dudes in the boat. One dude got out. Eleven dudes, you know, still, you know, if you're keeping track of the bottles on the wall or the monkeys on the bed, there's eleven of them decided, I'm good. I'm not coming out there. Don't ask me to do that. Didn't even want to take a bad first step. They didn't want to take any step. And I'm guessing if they were taking anything, they were scooting back and getting their back pressed up against whatever wall they could find. Well, I see in this story a couple of things because I, I, as you were just talking about it again, I'm wondering, you know, what is the point of the story being in the Bible? But I do believe that part of it is that when we're fearful, we do it is wise to step out on faith. Um, The second part of that is keeping our eyes focused on the Lord. So your initial question about what does that step look like um, is that I, I should be looking to the Lord for that first step and looking at the Lord and seeing him for who he is and what he has done rather than wondering what's under my feet. And that's a very difficult thing for me. I am not, I don't, I'm not a risk taker. I've said that before in this show. I like to live on what I think is more solid ground. And yet I'll put my faith in a car or put my faith in a doctor or I don't know it it is kind of it's a little bit crazy um 
But you are right, Paul. He was the only one that did. Yeah, he, he and and, and there's, did. I mean, Jesus or Peter was petulant. You know, he was the one who was going to run out and do oh, it before yeah. others. And and I, you know, I've had friends like that. So maybe the other guys were like, well, let's just wait and see if Peter will do it. Um, you know, see what goes on. Well, I mean, and and in all fairness, sometimes we criticize the disciples because they had already walked with Jesus for a while. And you'd think that by now they would know this is a miracle-working man. Uh, also, something supernatural about him. But apparently they were still so stuck in their humanity, just like we would be, that they couldn't see Jesus for who he really was. It right. must have been hard. Well, and, and here's the thing to think about. The water. You know, we don't pay a lot of attention to the water in the story. There's Jesus, there's Peter, there's the other disciples, there's a storm that preceded it. There's the water. And the water is there and Peter decides to get into the water. They see Jesus, so he decides I'm going to get on that water. Not into, I'm going to get on that water. And the water is sufficient to hold him. Then Peter decides, maybe not actively decides, but his decision-making process leads him to where now he's in that water. Same water that was just holding him. It's given way. Then he asks for Jesus to save him, and Jesus gets him, and now he's back on that same water that's holding the boat, that's holding his friends, that's holding the fear. The water doesn't change. Peter's attitude toward the water, toward his faith, is what changes. And the world is not going to change. But our attitude toward the world, toward our recovery, toward our sin, toward our habits, our hurts, our hang-ups, toward whatever is battering us, whatever that storm is, our attitude is what can change. And each time our attitude changes, our situation changes. The world does not. The circumstance around us does not. But the way that it affects us and deals with us and the way that we deal with it change based on us changing our attitude. So once I get to an attitude change that's good, it behooves me to stay there. If Jesus or if Peter stayed with his faith on Jesus, he would not have dunked his chonies in the water that night. He would have stayed dry on top of the water. And if I'm walking in recovery and I'm doing things, I'm, I'm following my steps, I'm working my steps, I'm uh, doing the things that I need to do and it's working, and then I decide, oh, I've got this, and I go back to what I was doing before when it was broken, it's going to break again. Yeah. I know that the nature of Jesus, I don't think ever used a miracle for the shock factor. I, I, I don't believe that that was ever the thing. Because we have story upon story where uh, Jesus actually told people to keep the stories to themselves, don't share. Because he, he didn't want the crowds just going, ooh, ah, mm -hmm. over him. But Jesus also knew what it was 
that Peter needed to experience. He, he knew, and you know, the Lord does have the right to test us. He has the right to, to test my life mm -hmm. and to see if, you know, to allow those things and permit those things to happen in my life that will make me grow. And maybe it is just a story about that, that Jesus knew this is what Peter needs to experience in order for it to really, for him to have solid evidence to stand on and his faith to grow. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. And Jesus has that power to change the parameters of the situation. Yes. You step on water, you don't have enough buoyancy, you don't have enough surface area to go through. It's not that we're too heavy to walk on water because aircraft carriers can float on water because they've got buoyancy created by displacing and having an air pocket. We don't do that, especially if we're standing. If we're lying on our back, we can. But standing, we don't float. Jesus changed the parameters of the situation and said, you, buddy, can walk on water. Mm -hmm. He did the impossible. Well, you, you stated earlier, I think I can almost do a direct quote. You said the water certainly had the ability to hold him up. Mm -hmm. The water didn't. It was God's miraculous power holding him up right. with the water. Right. You know what I right. mean? Right, right. The power wasn't in the water. Right. The power was in Yeah, the water is just, the water is is just a bunch of water molecules stacked up like marbles and they happen to be liquid and they're just floating around and stuff like that. And, you know, if we change displacements, we can, we can float, you know, we could figure out the science on it, but God changed the parameters. God didn't work through science with that. And I'm, please, I am not discrediting science. I am crediting science, but God superseded that to perform this miracle which is what makes it a miracle. Right. The and boat on the water is not a miracle. The boat on the water is science. Right, right. I um, I just, I can't be in that boat. I can't know exactly what was going on there, but I just know that our God is so personal that he knows every reason behind everything that he does and knows that it will, um, when he's involved, it will improve our relationship with him mm -hmm. you know that's just super exciting to me yeah i love that thought um so anyway I, that is really an interesting story and i never really looked at it that way um well thank you for spending the time to look at it with me oh, this way hey, now you know i feel like there's something so much more to this than all that but i don't know what it is you know it's uh, i i love how things can just continue to be revealed. Uh, I had a, a great moment of awareness on Friday night at Celebrate Recovery, and I, I'm, I was showing a, doing a lesson, and the lesson was called Crossroads. And so the first time I made the PowerPoint for this, back you know six seven years ago, I found a picture of a guy standing at a crossroads, at a you know country road, dirt road, standing at a crossroads, and I just sort of faded it. I I put up a, a uh, sepia tone over it and then masked it with a little opaqueness so I could put words over it and I just I was, I was making a, a PowerPoint background like I would normally do didn't pay a lot of attention I just went you know Google search crossroads and hey this is a good picture I did it and as I'm sitting there on Friday night looking at this picture yet again it, it occurred to me there were no tire tracks on the road there were footprints everywhere and I just never mm. 
seen that before. And, and every time we read the Bible, we give ourselves an opportunity to see something we hadn't seen before yeah. and to, to recognize or, or have something revealed or exposed to us uh, through the Holy Spirit that we just hadn't perceived or been ready for yet. And that's why we keep coming back to meetings. That's why we keep reading the same Bible. We keep doing the same step studies and, and going to the same groups and, and sharing because, you know, it's in that sharing that we start to see deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, you know, second or third time you watch a movie, you're going to catch a lot more of the nuance and minutia than you'll catch the first time right. through. Right. Well, I think, too, that... Um I, I don't even know how to begin to say this, but I think our initial topic was do our steps have to be perfect in order for us to to move forward? Is that kind of what you... Right, you, right, yeah. Can you say again what our uh, The was? way it was written was, uh, let's see, God doesn't want us to take a perfect step. He just wants us to take the next step. Well, okay, so... I'm going to go back and tell you a story that my dad used to always tell my sister and I, and it has to do with our spiritual walk and our growth in the Lord. And he would tell us, you know, if you're going on a family vacation and you get half the way to your, lo to your destination and you have a flat tire, you don't go all the way back home to fix a flat tire. You mm -hmm. stop where you are, you fix a tire, and then you move on. And, you know, that didn't really mean a lot to me as a kid. It's like, well, that's really a dumb story. I, I don't know what that has to do with life. And now I begin to see that that is exactly the way that Christian walk is. If we, you know, if I don't allow the flat tires of life and those things that throw me off to completely stop me and send me backwards and I keep trying to do what I can to fix that and move on with the Lord's help we're a lot better off in life than we were before right and so I think that's a really good picture of what you're talking about of steps um I don't I think that I often feel like I put um expectations on God to expect me to do better than I'm doing. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. I, like I'm like i somehow disappointing him and not doing all the things that I should be doing in order to make him happy. And I know that's just ridiculous. It, it's silly. He's my father. Mm -hmm. He knows me. Um, he knows where I haven't done my best. He knows where I have done my best. Um, that's not going to change his love for me. Not a bit. He's going to love me just the same no matter what. Very favorite. Yes, and so are you. Yes, I am. Right. And so are you, dear listener. Yes. Uh, well, cool. That was a, a neat exploration there. I really appreciate uh, your thoughts on that. Um, if you have some ideas or thoughts about the show and want to give us some feedback, please send us an email at bowtieguy at com, or you can uh, send it on to intern Dave out in Hawaii at info at messituppodcast.com. If you want to get a hold of me directly, my phone number for texting or calling is 760-608-1942. Feel free to use that and uh, let me know what you thought about this. 
Uh, if you think we're on the right track with our steps, great. If you think we're walking in the wrong direction, we want to know about that too. It's a, it's a great conversation to have. Uh, please consider becoming a patron uh, of the show. And you can do that by joining our Patreon page at messituppodcast.com. Click the Become a Patron button and it'll give you all the information you want. I'm, I'm looking for those people to join the higher levels and get our book club going. I bought books. I started reading books and I, I'm ready for a book club. I, I opened up our uh, Discord channels uh, to talk about the books. And so far, no one's taken me up on the book reading uh, things. So I'm getting lonely here in Bookland, people. So please uh, check that out. And um, we just really appreciate all that you do. Pastor Dan, um, I guess next time you hear this, you're going to have a new liver in you, buddy. So uh, we're glad that's the the case. And all you listeners who've been with us here for all these shows, we really, really appreciate you doing that. This is the 178th show. So we're crashing in on 200 here pretty soon. When are we going to hit 200? Uh, At the beginning of next year, uh, show 200 is right about... February 8th. Uh, So anyhow, we just really appreciate all of you guys being here for us. I just wanted to say, you know, uh, as you brought up this topic today, I've spent a lot of time thinking about where I have struggled in this area. And I just want to remind you listeners that um, if, if you or if I are struggling in this department, there have to be many people mm-hmm. that are out there struggling. Mm-hmm. These are scary times. There seems to be so much going on in our world. And probably if this podcast was even available uh, 1,800 years ago, they would have been saying the same thing. Yes. Nothing is different under the sun. But all I'm just saying is we have a message, and um, that message is good news. And so look for opportunities to just do anything that you can to encourage one another. Um, If we're more about encouraging one another rather than uh, running each other down, we're going to make this world the best that it can be. And uh, do it in the name of Jesus. So anyway, we do love love. you. Yeah, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we will be back uh, next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.